and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women in history. I'm Sarah Gorski. And I'm Chloe Skye. And Chloe, did you know that this is our 100th episode of Broads You Should Know? See, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> it doesn't feel like we could have possibly done 100 episodes, but I guess we have been doing this for two years. But like, I don't know, so much of it was during a pandemic. It was just yeah. like a time swirl, and I just didn't even realize until <laughs> I was like putting up the file, and I was like, wait, did that say 100? Holy crap. A hundred episodes. And listeners, I I have to take a, a second here and just recognize that Chloe edits the podcast. And I have not given her nearly enough credit verbally out loud to you, our listeners, at how amazing Chloe is at the job. She edits these podcasts every week and makes us sound really good and makes us sound like we don't say like and um a million times, which I definitely do in real life. And Chloe, you've just done amazing work on this whole podcast was your idea in the first place. You brought me and Sam together and then you've edited the shit out of it and you've kind of carried it forward and you've done an amazing job. I want to like, we'll do like golf claps so we don't blow out the speakers here. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, it. It got much easier to edit when it was the only podcast I was editing, which happened uh, only fairly recently because for a while I was still doing multiples. Yeah, no, I, I guess I did do a lot of editing of audio <laughs> in the last two years. I can't even imagine, actually. Like, I didn't think about it until I've been recently putting together, like, the whole database to list out all the names of all the broads we've done since we started the podcast. And it numbers 100. Like, we've done a few, broadly speaking, episodes scattered in between. But because we've also done a few multi-broad episodes, we have over 100 women in our database and so you've so cool. edited so much and done so much work and just such a, an incredible job. I'm just amazed. Thank you. So listeners, this episode, we're doing like a special like 100th episode recap for you. And at the end of the episode, we have an exciting announcement about what is coming next for Broads You Should Know. So I want to start with the question we very first started with on this whole podcast. What is the definition of abroad. And I know we, our very first episode, we talked about it. And we talked about the word broad and its origins, its etymology. And then we also talked about how it's changed through the years because it's shifted around quite a bit. It used to be kind of a loud woman. And then it kind of shifted to be a, a word that disparaged women and disrespected them. Um, you know, it was used alongside words like slut and the C word, which I hate, and I don't want to say it out loud. <laughs> um, Feel you there. I, I know that word make, gives me the, um, I don't use it in my day-to-day -day vocabulary. And when someone uses it, I'm like shocked by it. <laughs> yeah, I, um, like, unless they're British. And then I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That's right. Ted Lasso get, has a lot of it. And, but it's okay somehow when it's Brits. But Americans mean it in a different way than the Brits do. It's a very different. Yeah, when it. When someone with an American accent says it, they say it with an intention that is different than the British intention. Yeah, for sure. That's for sure my understanding as well. And Chloe, I don't know if you remember, I think at the, that very first episode, I told the story of one of my family members, my aunt, who when she found out that I was starting a podcast or had a podcast and it was called Broads You Should Know, it was like kind of a triggering word for her. She was like shocked that I would call our podcast that. 
and that we would use that word so loosely. Um, and it turns out, you know, I think the era she grew up in, the word was just thrown around very haphazardly and always with mean, disparaging intentions towards the person it was being used to. But we decided on the podcast that that's our word and we're reclaiming it. So, you know, that first episode, we kind of defined broad to be a woman who lives by her own rules. But I kind of like, now that we've done a hundred broads, I'm curious, Chloe, do you feel like your personal definition of broad has, has changed from that first episode? I don't know that it's changed, but I, I would say it expanded. I feel like when we first started, it was it was exclusively like a woman who just lived by her own rules. And it is that's still the core of it. But I think I've come to understand more of the level to which living by your own rules also requires living against or fighting back against some of the pre-existing rules or the rules that force you to even have to think about living by your own rules. I thought of just like powerful women originally that had accomplished something, like someone who had invented something or discovered something or been the first to do something. And behind the scenes of every one of those stories is uh, hundreds or thousands more women who were trying to do that very same thing and yeah. also were broads in their own respect. And we don't even know a lot of their names, but those are some of the, the women that I tried to bring forward and, and tell their stories on this, on this podcast. The ones who, maybe weren't the, the person we even think of as the first to do something because they did you didn't even know they were the first to do something. Yeah. I feel like most of the broads we've covered, some of them knew what, exactly what they were doing, but most of them were just trying to accomplish the things they wanted to accomplish. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like most of the broads we've covered wouldn't even maybe consider themselves like feminists or activists or forward thinking. They were just trying to do the thing they were passionate about. They just didn't take no for an answer. They just like kept going, even though we know that they probably faced a lot of adversity and a lot of no's and a lot of get out of here, get out of here, woman, we're not going to publish your paper, woman. <laughs> Definitely. I think one of the other things that I don't know that I took into consideration when we originally started this show was how many of these stories ended tra tragically or sadly, and how many of these women, you know, fought and fought and fought and sort of lost and mm. you know we like to to celebrate the winners but and then a lot of the time in the way that we talk about history or paint history we look at the winners and we celebrate them and we look at the losers or we don't even talk about them or acknowledge their existence some of the the most impressive and most amazing women i've come across are those people that we don't know or never talked about because they quote lost the you know, the generation war or whatever it is. Yeah. And so it's it's doing the podcast has really made me consider all of history through a different lens and how we celebrate people and what we celebrate them for in a in a whole new way. For sure. You already like answered some of the other questions I was going to ask you in that oh, one answer. <laughs> did I? You did, oh, no. but I love it. <laughs> yeah, I think... My definition of broad, I think, also has kind of broadened. Like, like, it wasn't very specific to start with, but I think it's not even women who march to their own drummer. It's just women who do. 
it's women who persist. It's women who who do the work, right? I think that's like, it's even more general than <laughs> our first definition. <laughs> but I also feel like day to day now, whenever I meet a new person, like I, I feel like I meet new broads every day. And so many women, you know, like you said just now, it, 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 people who are the losers or who, even not the losers, but people who weren't celebrity status, who didn't get famous, sure. they get so forgotten and written out. And we just, like two weeks ago, did this episode uh, on Alice Guy Blanche, I think is how you said her name. And she was that that French filmmaker who directed over a thousand films and was the first female director. And that people literally just like erased her from film history. And she had to like persistently tell people, no, I did this work. No, I did this work. I'm so like every time we discover and talk about a woman like that, I feel like we give her a new life. Ugh, I just love it. So uh, I've also been thinking it like, so how I think about this podcast all the time because I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with our own podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I have like a few other things I want to ask you because they're things I think about and I wonder if I'm the only one, Chloe. So ha has learning about these women inspired any kind of change in your day to day life, either maybe like in small ways or. Um, even maybe big fundamental ways, like the way you think about the world. You sort of touched on it, but if if you could talk about it a little more, I'd love that. Yes. I think, I don't know that there's a way to have done this work for two years and have spent as much time as I did, not just editing the broads that I covered, but also listening to and absorbing the stories of the other women first while we recorded and then a bunch of times while I'm doing the edit. Like I have just had impressive women who lived by their own rules and broke rules and fought their way through a giant wall of no's. It's been, I, I don't know, it's taken up like 25% of my brain power on any given day or week. So like, I don't think you can spend that much time processing this information and not come out changed a little bit. And I have noticed that I don't know if it's any of these women specifically that have affected me, but the, just this power of, well, she did it. Well, they did it. We all can do it. Mm -hmm. And in areas that I, in, in my past, recent past, would have just let something slide or thought, whatever, it's not worth talking about, have said, no, this is actually something that's worth bringing up again and fighting for. And some of the things I can't, talk about but some of the things are, are just like standing up to my bosses at work or any anything that I might not have done before and and even I can't really talk about it yet because it's part of the announcement that we're that we're doing later but it it has affected me profoundly you know at a certain point you realize we only have so much time here but you can make a big wave by starting yeah and saying what needs to be said and bringing people together and unifying under a, a common belief. Yeah. I think about it constantly. I think about it constantly. And one, one of the things that I think is probably the, the most anecdotal uh, way that I've been affected is just in the way that I, I no longer tolerate like feminine, anti-feminist microaggressions. Yes. 
someone that I know when he found out that I was trans was like, well, whatever you do, just don't become a typical woman. And I was like, what does that mean? What do you mean <laughs> by typical? Like, what is a typical woman? And he gave his definition and I don't want to get too much into it, but I was just like, <laughs> it would offend is, all of us. I'm sure <laughs> it would offend, it would offend everyone. It was, it was unbelievable. And I was like, that doesn't sound like a typical woman to me. That sounds like a woman who has been traumatized by men telling her that she is typical her entire life. It just, it, just a little, a little thing that I don't know if it affected anyone or changed anything, but I could no longer just laugh away this yeah. misogynistic joke that was just it, just terrible. Well, I think that's like a profound change for your own life to not. To not ignore microaggressions, I think is a huge, like, I think that's a huge thing. Like, I, I feel like I notice that too, when I feel like somebody's saying something and and it's obviously something that's rooted in some bullshit and has nothing to do with the reality or my behavior and actuality. It's about them or their own perceptions of women and what should be. It's just, you know, I I also like, I think learning about all these women has helped me to to take up all the, all of my own space. It's like, I think I used to spend a lot of time trying not to disrupt the flow or trying to make sure I'm easy to work with and that I'm friendly and that people like me. And I think I spent a lot of time. And I think that, you know, to, to my parents' credit, I don't think that I, I was like particularly raised to be like some sort of like meek wallflower. I think just society in general has this expectation that women will always be kind and polite and take their turn. And then watching all these men not do that and succeed. And I think seeing that repetitively in all the stories of these women, where I feel like there's like this common thread where, like I said, they just did the work and they just focused on what it was they were doing. Like even the, even the weird ones, even like... Annie Edson Taylor, you know, the woman who went over Niagara Falls, <laughs> yeah. this old lady, 63 or something like that. She's like, I'm going to go over the Niagara Falls in a barrel. And she just doesn't give any shits. And she just does it. <laughs> and like, I'm sure she heard many voices trying to convince her not to. And she was just determined. And she did not let those voices deter her. And even though like, she's obviously like a weird person, <laughs> like she, I admire that she had an idea and she went through with it. Because I think that a lot of people have huge ideas and even semi-huge or small ideas and they never follow through with them because somebody will, you know, either in a some form of a microaggression or just, you know, somebody who's more discouraging saying no to them. And you, you did this great. We did this Malala episode only just a little bit ago. And you had a great quote from her dad where they asked her, where they asked him how, you know, how did you raise a daughter like this? And he said, I just... It's not what I did do. It's what I didn't. I just didn't clip her wings. And I, that has been so profoundly sitting with me that like so many women just have their wings clipped but by people saying things or by even inferring things or just being raised not to, to make waves. It's like, I think that I now feel like I can spread my wings more and I don't worry so much about I still have my moments of weakness where where old Sarah comes back, but I feel like I take up much more space now and I don't apologize in advance for being me and having my thoughts and having my opinions and for being good at the things I'm good at and bringing my expertise. You know, I think it's just helped me profoundly in, in every area of my life and all the things that I'm pursuing. 
Love that. <laughs> I love it too. Do you, so of, of all the broads, do you have any particular broads that you feel like were the most influential for you or that like sat with you most or that you think about more often than others? Uh, I think that when I learned the, not when, even when I did the episode, but when I originally learned the story of Lilu Okalani, the mm. last queen of Hawaii, and this the way in which Hawaii was overthrown illegally by the United States, and today, a mere hundred or so later years later, we just don't even talk about it, and we just pretend like, yeah, Hawaii, they're happily a part of us. They've always been a part of us. Ta-da! Has permanently changed the way I view everything in the world, the way I look at a country or the people any country decides are the heroes or the people we're supposed to talk about. And I know I've had teachers and 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 books and things tell me that that's something that I should do. But the degree to which learning this story did that for me without me having to go, oh, wait, no, I should think about it from the other perspective. And now I just start looking at stories from that perspective from, okay, well, who screwed you over? Like who fucked you over to get this? Like yeah, anyone who is powerful, I look at them and I go, okay, well you exploited people. There is no way you could have what you have without having done so. And I just can't unsee it. And covering, it made me as I was, you know, seeking out which broad should I cover this week, Mostly, I tried to lean on the stories of the people who were fighting back against being fucked over, and unfortunately, in most stories, failed because of the world we live in, but it's actually more the world is the world we live in because these women were fucked over, and if they hadn't been, we would be in a different world. Like it would be le- There wouldn't be a patriarchy. There would be maybe a balance or maybe a matriarchy. Like There's no way to really know how things would have gone if colonization hadn't happened, if, you know, just indigenous peoples had been allowed to continue to exist and live things their way. And yeah, I think about our, all of our indigenous broads, like Tuiria Kayapo, mm. uh, when you brought that story, I was like, that's it's another, it's the same story uh, that's been happening for hundreds of years. Uh, all of the queens of Madagascar, mm-hmm. the Virgin Island queens, like mm. these are the these are the women who it's just like, These women all at the same time, all simultaneously around the world were fighting the same fight and never knew each other and never heard each other's names, but for the same. Yeah. And if that's true, then it really took this malevolent force to have wiped all of them out simultaneously. Yeah. For real, like I, in every story and in every piece of research, like even when I see like some sort of rando article fly across like social media or something, I feel like I can see the fat fingers of the white male colonial patriarchy like all through so many of the stories like immediately and the pathway of money and how money Mm. and trading and all of that has like shaped all these stories and i i don't feel like that piece of the the way the world works is really taught in school you think it's just the way it is and and it's always been that way and and i know no other way but you know you were just mentioning a matriarchy in the some of the oldest societies on earth, like the oldest tribal origins were matriarchal societies. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about it. 
but they were functioning and they had very little war. They were like very peaceful. Um, I, my friend Sam knows much more about that than I do. Maybe I'll have her on the podcast one day, but, um, it's, it's amazing because in our lifetimes, we've only known the patriarchy and we've only known the Christian patriarchy predominantly, at least, at least here in North America, but there's so much more than that. And it's, it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. And honestly, it, it helped me in coming to terms with the fact that I am transgender. Like, that's not the word they would have used a thousand years ago, but I would have been completely socially accepted Yeah, <laughs> in that world. Like, the reason people react strangely to me now is because of the patriarchy. Like, and because people are dickheads. And because yeah, because people are people are dickheads. That's... <laughs> no, you're what you said was exactly. more important, but people are also. <laughs> but but you're but you're not wrong. Uh, but people are dickheads because they were raised to believe this propaganda. Like the way history is taught in our schools is that the richest people in the country who were exploiting people were the underdogs. Right. <laughs> like. Wait a minute, but what about all of the other people right. who were and I being think about used by like, those people? You know who I think about a lot is Lucy Parsons and the whole anarchist movement. Because I think like before I did that episode, that episode took a lot of research because I didn't know very much about the Haymarket riots and all the stuff that happened in that time period. I didn't understand anarchy in general. Like I understood it conceptually, but I didn't understand <laughs> I didn't understand the anarchist movement like as it existed. Right. It almost sounds counterintuitive. Yeah. And when I did the research, though, it's all about fucking unionizing. It's all about like protecting people and like not letting people be exploited as severely as they were exploited. And and they were built out to be these huge villains and these like radical, dangerous people. But then at the Haymarket riot, it was a Pinkerton that threw the bomb. It was somebody that was hired by the government to like, like take down the anarchist movement because the rich people didn't want to stop making money off of exploiting all of those people. And like, and yet here we go, anarchists and unions in general become like this like villain. Oh, yeah. It's amazing how many people preaching unity, togetherness and peace have been killed by our government. (laughs) Yeah. And even today, like the, you know, you talked about Lilu Okalani in Hawaii and the protest at Mauna Kea, which are like largely not publicized, where mm-hmm. the white people just come in and are trying to take their mountain, their sacred mountain that has been theirs yeah. from the beginning or not even theirs. They don't even claim ownership over it because it belongs to the gods, right? It's a holy exactly. place. And white people yeah, were like, own oh, land. this is ours. And they just took it and they built shit there. Yeah. And it's interesting seeing how, because because I've been to Hawaii and because I uh, know someone who was raised in Hawaii, I, I know that this is going on. But also I know that when I'm on social media and when I'm on the internet, what the information that comes through to me or the information that is pushed into my feed is information about how cool that telescope is going to be when it is completed. Like really? scientific... Oh, article after article after article of like, this is like the coolest, the most high tech thing. It's going to be so important to our travels through space. Like you need, we need this thing, but no mention of any protest against it. No mention that, that 
there's a delay because people are protesting it. Just it's taking time getting going, but when it's ready, it's going to be one of the best thing. And so like, that's the only information people are seeing. And so they're like, wait, why would anyone want to protest this new cool thing? Wow. I, you and I have very different feeds. I've never seen any article. I've never, I haven't seen those articles fly across my feeds, which I'm kind of surprised about, but it might be because I spend some time in incognito mode. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't like being tracked. That's smart. Oh, Here's a good question that I feel like we never have talked about. Are there any women in your day-to-day life or even in your past that you think of as broads? They don't have to be like famous. They don't have to be women we've done. They can even be like family members. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any, are there people that you think of as broads? Most of the people that I think of as broads were educators that I that I had people who have committed themselves to teaching and specifically teaching history through the eyes of having some curiosity about it perhaps or teachers who encouraged the arts or creativity or freedom of expression um a lot of those women who I know a lot you know didn't necessarily have the happiest lives and could have had even better lives, but chose to educate the next generation instead. Um, A lot of those women pop up in my memory pretty frequently and remind me of times that I was encouraged to be myself or pursue my interests, even when no one else in my life was telling me that that was okay. Yeah. I mean, for me too, for sure. I feel like my big one of my biggest broads is um my my history teacher from freshman year, Miss Davis. I feel like I've talked about her before on the podcast, but she had us read Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States of America, which starts out with the story of Christopher Columbus from kind of the the indigenous perspective and what he like how he killed thousands of them immediately upon arrival. Um and it blew it blew my mind and it made me think very differently about history. And then the whole book, I, I don't know if you've read it, Chloe, but you know, it, it reviews several sitting on different... my nightstand, but not yet. Well he well, he goes through several you know, many different it's a pretty thick it's a pretty thick read, but fascinating if you fascinating, especially given what you just said about like seeing the history from the side of the people who lost it and how different the perspective is on those stories. So especially when it comes to like unionizing like i think the chapters that stick out for me were like the labor unions the railroad union and the formation of that and and, uh eugene debs and all the like there's just so many stories in there that i yeah they they really like i still have the book i should just reread it because it's been so 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 long now since i've been a freshman in high school (laughs) but um i think like miss davis most certainly had this like undeniable impact on my life by sharing that. I think my aunt too, the aunt I was just talking about, Aunt Lynn. Mm-hmm. Aunt Lynn, I don't know if you listen, but <laughs> if you do, I think you're a great broad. <laughs> I hope she takes that as a compliment. I think my mom is too, actually. I don't know if she would call herself a broad, but I think she is. I think she's a badass. I think there's a lot. I see, like I said, I see them day to day and I I meet new people all the time. And I think this is a great broad. I'm so glad to know her. I have a bunch of friends in Chicago that are broad. Tara, Tara Sullivan, you're a definite broad. Michelle Corvage, definite broad. Stephanie Heller, definite broad. A bunch of my best friends too. I'm such a cheese ball. (laughs) Man. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
anyway, I love you all. Yeah, I don't want to like single anybody out just because then I feel like I'm going to have to single everybody out and I'm going to forget people. (laughs) I guess I just don't think anyone actually listens. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I feel like one day one person will and then they'll just tell everyone like she didn't list you. (laughs) (laughs) Although I have a funny story about that. My mom just came to visit me. She hadn't really, she doesn't really listen to podcasts. So she, so she hasn't selectively not been listening. She just doesn't listen to podcasts. But I guess um, I like gave her the links and helped her get her like podcast software set up so she could she could start if she wanted to. And sure. then she did start listening and she had feedback, which I was happy to hear. <laughs> I actually love feedback. No matter what kind of feedback it is, I always think it helps me to to have a better sense both of like how people hear the podcast and then also how I'm doing and what I could do better. But <laughs> sure, yeah. But she really likes it. And Yay. and she specifically called and said that I think that the voices that you lift up in the podcast are really important perspectives that need to be in the world right now. Wow. So I almost had to pull That's... the car over because I was like almost crying when she told me that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was awesome to hear. Aw, that's so nice. So mom, if you're listening, thank you. Let's talk now just about like our sessions. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Do you have any like favorite moment or several moments or episodes that we recorded? You, me, and Sam, and Jupiter 2, who's been our guest for the last year, who couldn't be here today. Do you have any like top moments from our podcast? That, oh man, I wish I did. I don't know. I feel like so much of the sessions were clouded by like, the, the struggle to get it together and like find a day we were all available or like the fact that almost all of the podcast has been during COVID and like most yeah. of it's been over zoom and like, we haven't been able to see each other. So like, it's mostly like most of the moments I remember are the moments where it was like, we were fumbling for information. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which... You usually cut out those pauses. So, so I, I do yeah. don't necessarily know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, I have like my generically favorite moment is before each session when we're texting each other, like I need five more minutes. I'm not done with my research. Hold on. I need 10 more minutes. And we like, <laughs> we like keep pushing back our start time because like one or more of us, and it was usually me. I'll just admit it. It was usually me. <laughs> was like, fin- like, I just like found a new article and I wanted to include that information in the research I'd already done and I wasn't finished yet. <laughs> it's like, but it really was like almost every episode that happened, every recording session that happened. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. At a certain point, Jupiter was like, so what time are we starting? And I was like six. And they were like, so six forty-five. <laughs> and I was like, no, not six forty-five. But they were like, all right, well, I'm going to be in there at six thirty, And and then we ended up starting around 6.30. I was like, hey, we nailed it. It's cruel, but it's correct. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's not because we don't care. It's because we're like heavily into our it's research. because we care too much. And it's also because... because we care too much. I, yeah, and it's also because, admittedly, I often do my research right, right like bef- the day before the episode, sometimes the day of our sessions. And sometimes I underestimate how much time... I need for that broad. Like I just, once I get into her, I'm like, Oh, I could do it in two hours. And then like four hours later, I'm like, shit, there's so much. I don't have it yet. I need to figure out what to cut down and what to keep mm-hmm. and what to, you know, I think I realized, uh, 
around the time I got to Grace O'Malley that I needed to give myself at least three days because I was going to be wrong about how much information was available. Yeah. <laughs> and starting starting there, because that one, I just like, I didn't plan to do it three days in advance, but I did. And I was like, wow, I have 25 articles that are all amazing that have such different information. It's going to take me forever to parse this together. And I do think it ended up being one of my best episodes, probably because I had days to edit and then re-edit the notes I had taken and then process new information and include that. Yeah. And so I went out of my way to try to do that as often as I could. Most of the time I still was just like, okay, 24 hours before I'm going to have to do this. <laughs> I I still was last minute, but I got better and faster and more efficient. And I think like, depending on how crazy my schedule was, sometimes I would be like, nope, I can't do that broad. That broad is too big. Let me pick somebody who's got a little bit smaller of a story. Not smaller of a I story, definitely, but like yeah, more more tight Less information of available. I definitely did that a few times. I remember that Frida Kala episode. I must have spent like four, like I spent a lot of time in that research. I was like lost in it. That's. I don't know if we even mentioned this on the show or if I edited it out, but we recorded that episode twice. And the episode that oh, you right. may have... The episode you may have listened to, listener, was the second time through. So all of me and Sam's like reactions was us trying to pretend this was the first time we were learning this information. I totally forgot that. I blacked that out. Wow. My brain is is special. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so glad that it was just that one episode because we recorded three or four episodes that session. But only the one had the audio issue that we had to like. Yeah. It was just unusable. Stressful. That was stressful. It was. I would say, you know what? My other favorite moment too would be when Sam like stood up and showed us she was pregnant. She had a little pregnant belly. Oh yeah, that was a nice announcement. That was exciting. Yeah. I miss Sam. Beacon of light. I do too. I tried to get her here for this episode. Her like side gig is she helps work some people's taxes. Oh yeah, and a lot of people are. Yeah, it's like the next deadline. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the next tax deadline for people to file or whatever. So she is in it right now. And, and um, people are trying to get their California, whatever it is, stimulus, and you have to have done your taxes for that. Mm. So a lot of people, I think, are probably pushing that through. Man. So she's living the life. But I, I do think uh, I've been talking with her this week, though, and I think she's going to come back for future episodes and stuff like that. Yay. Oh, that made me so happy. Um, I always loved her episodes. I f- feel like she just had a gift yeah. for like storytelling and and framing the story in a way that made it the most engaging to listen to. And I just like aspired to be more like Sam in my storytelling. Me too. She was always, and she always picked like such interesting stories, like such interesting women. And, and no real through line to them other than that they were like offbeat and you wouldn't have thought of them. No. And that balloonist. Oh my God. That episode made me exactly. Yeah. And I love her like caveat at the start of it. It's just like, look, this isn't the kind of woman we usually cover, but I just was fascinated and I have to tell you. I know. It was just such good energy. I should pick more broads like that. I always pick like such intense stories. I think I'm like an intense person, I guess. I feel like the podcast got darker after Sam left. Maybe. (laughs) A little bit. I mean, it was still lighthearted and fun and like, you know, three broads sitting around talking, but I do feel like it got a little darker in tone. Here's a here's a funny question. Do you have any like top 
like embarrassing least favorite moments from our recording sessions? I'll go first. So, okay. so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, definitely a few episodes ago when I forgot the other Wright brothers name and then you didn't cut it out. Chloe and I like listened to it when it aired and I was like damn it now everybody knows that I forgot Wilbur's name <laughs> I bet most of the listeners didn't know either of their names um I feel like people or maybe I mean I Orville know. is probably the more memorable name just because there's a popcorn named after him and then there also was that period of time towards like the beginning-ish of the pandemic when I did was doing my teeth straightener thing and I had like a little bit of a lisp for some episodes <laughs> and maybe no one noticed but that. I was like very self-conscious about it <laughs> yeah I remember I remember you being more self-conscious that it was apparent I, I th maybe it's because I've like done so much like acting vocal work and stuff like that, but it was like mm. painfully obvious to me that I was talking with a slight lisp. Not that there's anything wrong with lisp, by the way. I I love lisp, but for me, it's not the way I usually speak. So I was like, this isn't me. It's not me. Those are those are my like top embarrassing <laughs> moments that, that lived with me, I suppose. <laughs> One that I I think I probably ended up cutting out was during. Um... The, the jazz musician episode. Yes. Oh, Lucille God. Bogan. Yes. Lucille Bogan. Or maybe the or other Ma jazz Rainey? musician that it could have been. Ma no, I think it was during the Lucille Bogan episode. Um, <laughs> but I like had combined two different Bessies into one person. Oh, I, I remember like, that. <laughs> and I was like, I was like pretty adamant that like the two people Jupiter was talking about were the same person. And it was like a, 15 minute side tangent where we had to like look it up and figure out we're like no no it was actually two people and i was like okay well this is this is deeply embarrassing and because it was so long i couldn't justify leaving it all in and also it made me look better to cut it out so i cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how you kept the things that embarrass you but you kept but you, you 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 cut you cut your stuff and then you left you always left sam's stuff in too that was actually a personal favorite thing you did is when sam would be like you're gonna cut this right chloe and you would always like keep it <laughs> and you would keep her asking for it to be cut <laughs> it's 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 always funnier if the person asks for you to cut it like i feel like a lot of the times you you don't ask for me to cut it and so then i'm like oh i'll just cut this but then if you were like please cut this i'd be like no <laughs> Chloe, so cruel and so I hilarious. Know. I'm sure the listeners kind of love it, but I'm sure I'm sure there's yeah, you could have picked up on some some trends there, maybe. Well, I that like concludes the list of like funny reflection questions that I had. I guess it's time for the big announcement about the podcast. Oh, yeah. So listeners, along with this 100th episode, we are entering a new era of broads you should know because Chloe and Jupiter are both moving on and they are not going to be co-hosts with me from now on. <laughs> I'm going to miss them. Uh, it, it is true. It's true. Yes. Well, you the rumors are true. You both have exciting projects and other things that you're pursuing, and the time just felt right to move on. And I totally get it, even though I'm a very selfish person and I wish I could record with you forever, ever. So the podcast is going to change a little bit. And here's how it's definitely going to change. I'm going to stay. <laughs> you still got to listen to me, guys. You can't get rid of me. But I am going to have rotating guests come in. 
So um, I am going to start out with people who are friends of mine who I know are like adamant anti-patriarchal feminists. And you're going to hear some new voices. Uh, and people might just come for an episode or two, or maybe people will come back a few times. I'm not quite sure. It kind of just kind of depends on people's lives and how busy they are and how much they enjoy. Because researching the women, believe it or not, is it's, I think, I think Chloe and I, I think you and I love it, but it's like still really hard work. <laughs> it really is. So I don't expect if, that everyone is going to take to it the way you and I have. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, presenting a research project or a research paper in, in high school. It's like, it's a lot of work. Yeah. You have to do a lot of research. And most people didn't even do that work in school. So yeah. like, we're just giving ourselves homework. I also like put undue pressure on myself to like, you really have to tell this woman's story really well so that people know how great she was. So I always am like, oh God, I have to do it right. I have to do it right. So, you know, part of that pressure is just stuff I'm working on with my therapist. So, because <laughs> nobody <laughs> asked me you. to stress, but I did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel you. I felt the same way. Like, if I present this information incorrectly or if I present it in a way that makes it less interesting than it really is, or like I could taint the, not that I could ever actually taint the legacy of an important woman, but like maybe this is the first someone's hearing about this. And like, I want to do it justice. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see how it goes listeners. And, you know, hopefully you can have some grace with me as I take on new responsibilities that weren't mine before. And I'm sure I'm going to fuck it up a few times. No, you're sure you're um, going to fuck it up? Is that something you're also talking about with your therapist? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I okay. hold that back a little. So, you know, one thing at a time. One thing at a time in therapy. <laughs> sure, for sure. No, yeah, I that's mean... probably the healthiest way to do it. I think they'll probably... I'm just like, here are all of my wounds. How do I fix them all at the once? I think I'm just, you know what? Of all things, I'm just kind of a realist. And I, I think I need to like you know, immediately dispel the myth of like some sort of perfect transition. Like we're probably going to have a few episodes where we're settling in and getting a new rhythm of things. And, um, and we're going to have maybe some new things. I, I actually have a friend that's writing some theme music for us. So I think Ooh, we're going to have like our own an official theme. theme music. And um, it might, I might have some more kind of pre-recorded. We usually kind of improvise our endings and stuff like that. Um, and I think just given the new format and having more guests, I think I'm going to probably have that, you know, kind of a little more pre-recorded and packaged a little more, a, a little less impromptu than it has sure. been in the past. So that sound will be a little different for you guys. So hopefully you like the changes and hopefully you'll stick with us. And I think we're going to also get a whole new batch of broads who weren't even on our radar um, that's the other exciting thing about bringing in new voices and new perspectives. Cause our, I mean, you know, we've treaded these, these boards now and we've talked a lot about our, our patriarchy, anti-colonial preferences, <laughs> but as we get new voices, I think we're going to hear new perspectives too. I know when Jupiter, you know, came to, to fill in when, when Sam first kind of had to duck out, uh, just having the voice of this amazing Hawaiian mixed race person on the podcast brought this whole new perspective we had didn't have before because we were just a bunch of white girls before so <laughs> it's true my hope is to continue that trend and to have people you know different people here that aren't the same old like white suburban bullshit you know <laughs> definitely yeah actually i can answer one of the questions you had for jupiter it's the one i know that their answer for uh do it because the question was what's the one broad who has impacted you the most uh, for Jupiter, that is Polly Murray. I knew and that was true. I knew that. Yeah. 
they're like considering getting a Polly Murray tattoo. Like, wow. Yeah, they're going to brave going out to a movie theater for the first time since the pandemic started to see the My Name is Polly Murray documentary. Like, Whoa. It has, and, it, and it's a part of the reason they are stepping away from the podcast. They want to be more, they want to take more direct actions in the world and in trying to, to make a change. Oh, I love that. Jupiter, I love telling, that. If you listen to this, yeah. I'm so excited and proud of you. So... Yeah, not to just like tack a bunch of extra information to the end of the episode, but that's okay. You can yeah, recut it you, if you, you want. You reminded me. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, <laughs> it's true. No, you reminded me of it, so I do know that one. So I suppose that that kind of brings us to the end of the episode, y'all. So I can't thank you all enough, listeners, for being with us for a hundred episodes. Chloe, I can't thank you enough for all that you've done for this podcast. I here's the part where I get really emotional. <laughs> I'm going to really miss um, co-hosting with you. And I'm totally crying because I can't help it. <laughs> That's okay. But oh, um, I'm going to miss you too. I know. It's been, you know. But it's not It's not goodbye forever. I'm, I'm sure I'll come back once in a while and do a, a little guest spot when I find somebody stupendous that I've had five <laughs> weeks to perfect my copy on. Well, I hope so because you're always welcome back. And so is Jupiter and so is Sam. Hopefully we'll be seeing them back um, in the rotation. I'm just going to miss doing, you know. Every every session with you, that's all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> change, change, change is for hard sure. for me. I'm like one of those people who like knows change is really good, but it's still really hard. <laughs> so they're good tears because I just love you, Chloe. So oh, I love you. And Jupiter, I love you too, and I'm gonna miss you too. And Sam, I've missed you for like a long time already. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. but hopefully we'll get you back in here too. And um. Hopefully this is the only time I ugly cry on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, listeners. Our website's still up, broadsyoushouldknow.com. We're going to keep recording and keep bringing you new broads just in an an updated format. So visit broadsyoushouldknow.com. Share your favorite broads. Listen to more episodes. Like, leave us a review. The best thing you can do for our podcast is to leave a review and to share with your friends and family. If you think there's a woman that they ought to know about or if there's a woman's story that you want them to hear. And, you know, Chloe and I just spent half this episode talking about how much these broads have changed our lives. And I do believe that these broad stories can change the world if they were shared widely enough. So I hope that you will consider sharing if you've never shared before. Um, And I also hope you'll come back and see me next week at Broads You Should Know.